You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to participate in the show, if you want to call in, have your voice heard. If you're new here, don't know what's going on, just call in 608-501-0718. And as a nice little perk, if you're a new caller, you're going to go right to the front of the line. But today we don't have any new callers, so we're going to start with Todd from Reno, I think. Hey, Ryan, this is Todd from Reno. Nailed it. Long time no talk to. It's been a rough year, but things are much better now. Sorry to hear that. I'm just answering your question. I did watch the Jets preseason game with Aaron Charles Rogers. Uh-huh. Um, I thought I was watching a Packer game. Right. Um, not remembering the sequence, but that pass he overthrew by two feet, that was genuine Aaron Rodgers. You know, and it's funny that you say that, because I just watched, it was uh, the QB school, and he was breaking down Aaron Rodgers, and he broke down that play, and he's like, man, Rodgers never misses that. He's like, that's a play that he makes nine times out of ten, and he's, and then he goes on to say, he, he might make that, like, you know, 99 times out of 100, and I'm like, I don't, I don't think you watched a lot of Aaron Rodgers. I'm not saying he was wildly inaccurate, but to say that he just never misses guys, that's, I don't know about all that. <laughs> that happens. I mean, look, look, the whole thing with Rodgers, especially in a down year, but just in general, is that the guy's basically perfect, and then he has moments, and sometimes these moments are like entire games or quarters or whatever where something's just not working, and there's just a lot of that. And you're looking at it going, what the heck was that? I mean, do you? it's weird because it kind of goes in phases. There was a year... I don't remember what year. It might have been 2019. Would kind of make sense in my mind. There was a year where this guy could not complete a wide receiver screen or any pass out in the flat to save his life. I saw more balls bounce off the ground five yards away from him than I've ever seen in my entire life. So I understand there's like a respect thing, especially from one quarterback to Aaron Rodgers, who is like the epitome of of all you know of what every quarterback aspires to be but it's just kind of silly to sit there and be like oh man he's i've never that that never ever and and no uh, like come on come on (laughs) it's not that uncommon dude trying to do something he couldn't do um that that whole first series was terrible and it just reminded me of all the first quarters that we got used to when he threw that touchdown pass, and that was a perfect pass, yeah. the next day in the New York media, they were like, that's why we got Aaron Rodgers. That pass was great. And I'm going, maybe I'm spoiled, but I've watched 30 years of those passes between yeah. 
Brad Favre and Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah, it's it was the same. I think for me, what it what it, what it feels like when you're watching Aaron Rodgers is it feels really difficult. Everything feels difficult, you know, like. No, you know, like nobody's open, but it's, but you know, Rogers has got to like try to fit in these pinpoint things. And, and just like that touchdown, what was it? It was like across the ear hole of the defender into the arms of, of a wide receiver who's fully capable of getting open. But in this case really wasn't very wide open. Everything just feels like, man, Rogers has got to do every little thing. And that's part of what's very different and also refreshing about this new Packers thing, because it, it's feels a lot easier. Like Jordan Love has time. He uses that time to survey the field. He finds somebody open. He throws a pass, and that person catches it, and then they run. It's like, wow, this is what I've been watching every other team in football do for years. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to be better or anything like that. Rodgers is able to do all these things, but it just it felt so difficult. Like, you're holding your breath through the whole game. And that's kind of how it felt watching that Jets series. You know, like, oh man, the play broke down and he didn't find anyone, so he's got to bail out of the pocket. And then he kind of, as he's stumbling, throws it out of bounds and he gets up and he's frustrated. And oh man, it's third down, what are we going to do? And oh, just a pinpoint pass. Like, oh man. Like all those back shoulder Devontae throws. I mean, Jets fans better be ready because I'm sure they're going to be excited and I'm sure they're going to be happy about it. But they're going to go from like, here we go again with this bull crap to just Heart Attack City. I mean, football is Heart Attack City no matter what. We're going to be dealing with Heart Attack City. I'm sure the Bears game is going to be Heart Attack City. I borderline hope so, because I'm worried if not, then it's just going to be bad all the way across. But you know what I mean? It's just, it just, it always felt so difficult. You ever see like when a, a car is, there's like a police chase and the car blows one of its tires or, or is running on all four flats or something. You ever see a car try to drive on its rims? <laughs> I mean, that, that engine's working just as hard, but it's not going anywhere. It's like, come on, come on, Go. It just, uh, I don't know. That's just that's just how it's always been. But the thing is, it it, it generally works because Rodgers is just a magician and he makes really difficult things work. And I'm just, I'm, I'm hopeful that we can, you know, again, when I went back and watched the Patriots, or the perfect example, this is the Tom Brady Patriots, it never really felt that way. It's not to say games weren't close, but I hated watching the Patriots because it's like, oh, look, here's Tom Brady. Oh, look, he's got no pressure. Oh, look, he throws to a wide-open guy 10 yards down the field who runs for another five yards. Wow, congratulations. This is why I refuse to call Tom, refuse, duh, to call Tom Brady the GOAT. Because it's like any freaking moron could sit there and do that. Why can't anybody stop it? And it's kind of like that in Kansas City, although obviously the guy can do wizardry things. He's like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady mixed. Like, he has all the talent of Aaron Rodgers, but does all the things Tom Brady did so that it's really easy to operate, but also, like, if I need to, I can throw freaking backwards between my legs for 40 yards on a on a freaking dime. That's why they win every Super Bowl for all existence. But, um, man, I'm tired of dynasties. We just got out of the Patriots one, and now the Chiefs are like, oh, we're gonna get a third one. It's like, why don't we burn Arrowhead? Why don't we do that? Can we do that? It'd be great. So, yeah, that that's for me that's what it was. It just you watched it and it just feels like you're holding your breath the whole time. Uh one thing on uh I don't know if you watch Hard Knocks, but Randall Cobb called the receivers together and he said, "Yes. Uh there's been a lot of mistakes and uh you know the boss number 12, well 8, if he doesn't trust you, he'll never throw you the ball." Yeah. Well, I mean, we all know that. And then I heard some pundits on 
national radio going, oh, that was a douchebag thing to say. And I'm going, you haven't paid attention. <laughs> so, anyway, Jordan Love will be fine. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Yeah, I, I retweeted that video on social media when I saw it with the caption that said, uh, Randall Cobb sounding like an Aaron Rodgers hater, with the implication being... If anybody else were to say that, it would be, that's not true, you're just hating on Rodgers, you know, as though that's some kind of a myth that he wouldn't throw to guys that he doesn't believe in or whatever. And here's Randall Cobb just being like, no, dude, that's that's literally how it goes. If he doesn't trust you, he will not throw you the ball, period. Because screw you. So don't drop passes and stuff. So, Nico, what's going on, man? Hey, Ryan, this is Nico. What's up? Speaking to you from my balcony, watching... A really huge blood red moon. Yes, I have a cat, and it's. Do you guys see that big old? Uh, was it a blue moon? You see that? Like a really bright moon. It apparently, isn't actually blue. It's just really bright. But I think that was the other day. I also thought you were gonna do. Uh, who is that? Nah, not Nat King Cole. Watching the ships roll in, and I watch them roll away again. I don't know. That's where my mind went. I was hoping you were gonna do that. But I can be already. Anyway, go away again. Oh, um. I have called about the game yet, but a lot of people made some good comments. Um, I just want to put in my 1.2 cents. Okay. Uh, the two things I just want to highlight are, one, the pressures. Um, it seems like our defensive front line just lived in the backfield. Like, I don't, I mean, I, I was able to watch, I watched the game at work, so I, could, I saw most of the first half. The customers started coming in, and I had to ignore the game. It was such a bummer. Um, but um, so I came home and watched the big last two quarters on YouTube. And uh, today they were in the backfield constantly. Like I know we didn't record the sack, which is a bummer. But I don't know. I could like I remember like five or six passes that just went down to the ground because the quarterback was being you know chased around. So that's. That's amazing. And that's, that was even mostly our second stringers. I know it's against their second stringers, but, uh, you know, it's a philosophy. Um, man, if we can pressure the quarterback like that, oh my gosh. You know, with our starters the whole game, man, that's going to be big. So our defensive line and linebackers and quarterbacks were getting in the backfield at the same time. Second thing is, um, you know, it's funny. I was, as you were talking, trying to go through and see. I can't see him tabulated as far as like how many pressures there are, but it doesn't look like the Packers actually have a high number. If it just kind of glancing here. Like if I look at the Arizona Cardinals, so here here's the Packers. And just going down the, the list. Here's total pressures for each player. Seven six five five four three three two 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 one 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 one. Okay? You go to Arizona and it's nine seven six five four three 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 two 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 one 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 one. I don't think it's more, and we didn't have anybody with nine. Look at the Falcons again, eight, and it it goes down to about the the sixteen mark, or the this is so there's twenty one guys with pressure, eight five 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 five. So I don't know. I'm just I, I I can't tabulate them off the top of my head here, but it doesn't appear as though the Packers had any more pressures than any other team. The one thing that I thought was funny though. The Chicago Bears, they had one guy with 14 pressures. I don't know if anybody had anywhere near 14 pressures. You know who it was? Travis Gibson. You know where Travis Gibson is right now? He's in Tennessee. 
They got rid of Travis Gibson. He was, by the way, their number one pass rusher last year, so that's hilarious. But anyways, yeah, I don't know. It, it felt like the pressures were pretty much on point, um, but just a, a quick observation as I'm going through. I don't see anything that looks like we had more than most other teams. Jordan loves pocket awareness. I know someone else commented on it real briefly on the day of the, of the game, but man, I tell you, there are certain things a an elite quarterback has to have. They don't have to have a cannon of an arm. Uh, Joe Montana proved that. They don't have to be flight of foot. Uh, Dan Marino proved that. That dude was at you, just like Philip Rivers. They don't have to have, you know, um, gosh, they don't have to be really tall. Drew Brees proved that. But if you are a quarterback and you don't have pocket awareness, mm-hmm. you're dead. You know, I remember Drew Brees. I don't know. Uh, not Drew Brees. Uh, Drew Bledsoe. Some of y'all young ones might not remember him, but the guy was such a beautiful passer. But if he had five seconds, four or five seconds, he could just piss you apart. But once you smack him in the face, the dude was like deer in headlights that he'd get all happy feet and couldn't play. I, guess, and I don't think he had pocket awareness. Love really showed quite a few times where he just, it's almost like it's, it's almost an unteachable peripheral vision thing you can't teach, and I think he has it. So if he has that, you know, and that was one game. Um, they're going to talk about scrambling because he did great there. Looks like I'm out of time, but go back, go. I can't wait. Yeah, that is a good point, and I think that was an underrated part of the preseason. You know, he was the highest graded. He had the highest rushing grade of any quarterback in the preseason, and it was precisely for that reason. It's not just about total cumulative yards. It's about capitalizing on what's in front of you. So w- in those instances we saw when things kind of broke down and or nobody got open, he was able to escape and get yardage out of it. I really wish that completion, I think, to, or that, that pass to Jaden Reed had been completed because on second glance, I didn't even notice it. I mean, he, he should have been sacked, but he just stiff-armed the guy on the top of the head and jumped out of it like it was nothing, ran to his left, flicked off his back shoulder, or off his back foot, and threw it. It was a little bit low, but man, if that had been completed, that would have been an unbelievable highlight. But really, I mean, he he does have, he's got that clock that goes off in his head, his movement in the pocket, his his ability to know when to move, where to move, and then when to just give up and take off and run. And I think he does a great job of that. Like everything else, we got to see how this plays out over the course of, a, of, of an entire regular season, because it's a small sample size. But that is, I think, a big, uh, a big attribute that he seems to excel at. Hey, Ryan, it's Garrett. Hi. I uh, just wanted to give my two cents on the 53-man roster. All right. Um, a couple of head scratchers that uh, Clayton did address last night was, what the heck is Newman still doing on this roster? And is are they keeping him or... Pausing the wrong one. Newman's not going anywhere. He was never going anywhere. I know everybody's been kind of like hung up on this. Um, Royce Newman was elite as a rookie throughout the preseason. He has a ton of experience in the regular season. I know he graded out poorly this preseason. I get it. He didn't look very good. We're not going to get rid of him. Maybe if we had somebody else that could step up, we don't. We have Sean Ryan as the only other interior guy that can step up, on top of the fact that nobody wants Josh Myers either. So what, we're going to get rid of Josh Myers and Royce Newman and have what? Nothing? The Packers are going to give him some leash because the guy played almost an entire regular season on our offensive line. Not to mention he was a mid-round pick. 
So, you know, I know it was kind of an ugly offseason for him, but, you know, we're talking a handful of games to just completely throw him out and then leave yourself with no other alternatives. I, I just, I, I think, I shouldn't say it was never going to happen because crazy stuff happens, but it was very, 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 very unlikely in my mind that Royce was ever going anywhere. I mean, at the end of the day, Royce Newman, you know what his pass blocking grade was? It was a 73.5. He gave up one hit and one hurry, two total pressures. That's it. Well, his run blocking grade was bad. So was everybody's. Yash Nyman had a 43. It was worse. He's still here. Caleb Jones had a 46. He made it. I mean, Royce's grades were a 35 in week one. Putrid. He had a 71 overall grade in week two, which is fantastic. And then in week three, it was a 55, but with an 84 pass blocking grade. His last two games pass blocking were 79 and 84, and he didn't give up a single pressure in those games. He is a mid-round pick who, through his first two preseasons, graded out very, very well. He does grade out quite well as a pass blocker. He did again this year. And yes, he kind of sucks in the regular season. He gives up a ton of pressures and all that. And I don't expect him to be here for long. But we are not in a position to get rid of a guy that is a, again a mid-round pick that has proven to be not just talented in spots, but versatile. He's a guard-slash-tackle. And I think he's probably next up at guard if somebody goes down. I mean, I know they're probably going to switch some things around, but I mean, as far as the next-up guard, I think it's him over Sean Ryan, if I had to guess. So they're going to move on from Royce Newman. I mean, it's just it's getting worse and worse every single year for Royce. I don't know why he continues to trend backwards, but there, there's just no situation in my mind where we could have even moved on from Royce. Potential trade and maybe two or three games down the road where they can get some trade value out of him instead of just cutting him and risking uh, a team like the Bears or Minnesota, who has only got eight on their roster right now, uh, picking him up. So I'm kind of thinking they're just holding on to him to maybe trade him later on. Well, I mean, if he's as bad as that where he needs to go, then we're not going to get anything for him. And um, we don't need to worry about the Bears picking him up because he's trash, you know? I mean, you might be right. Maybe they're holding on to him to see if he's trade bait. We're, we're making some phone calls. We're all talking about Yash. Maybe it's Royce. But again, then we're down to one guard, and he's a guard who, again, he was like a third stringer last year. He's not even ready to play guard. I just, I just don't think there's any way in the world that they're going to move on from Royce where we have what six tackles we have four backup tackles and one backup player among three interior positions just one guy and that guy can't play center I just don't I don't think so I think this is a thing down the road I think he's just one of those guys you realize he's here you know I mean tight end has always been one of those positions where you have a guy that you know that we need to move on from it's just not going to work. Like you're, you're not the guy. But we don't have anybody to replace you, so you're going to be that guy for a while until we find somebody to replace you. You know, Richard Rodgers. You know the guy's gone, right? You know he's not the future. But he's here because you don't have a better option right now. And we'll see. We'll see if the Packers start looking at more interior. I mean, we, we have done it, right? We, we got Elton Jenkins, and then we got Josh Myers, and then we took a bunch of other swings. You know, we got John Runyon in the sixth. So we, we've been building this out. Sean Ryan, so far, not great. We'll see how much how many more swings we take on the interior. But until we actually have a roster of guys that we feel good about, 
I just I think Royce is uh, is here to stay. Tree Carpenter, I don't have any idea why they would keep him versus maybe even someone like Blades. I think Blades has upside um, in the cornerback safety room. Uh, Carpenter just hasn't done anything to to warrant keeping him on this roster, in my opinion. I really don't get it. I, I, I mean, we we know at this point that uh, Tariq Carpenter is off the fee, uh, off the team, and I talk about this a little bit on the podcast tomorrow. I have no idea why they did what they did, though. Jonathan Ford and Tariq Carpenter were stashed on the fifty-three. We released our long snapper, and the reason we did well, we needed to release our long snapper because we needed to carry Luke Tenuta on so that we can put him on the regular season IR, and then we bring our long snapper back. Bro, you're moving on from Jonathan Taylor and Tariq Carpenter, and you're not even putting them back on the practice squad. We don't even want them back there. It's not like we're protecting them because we don't want them getting stolen. You don't even want them! We just cut them outright. <laughs> I mean, maybe they'll come back through if, if like the one extra guy we picked up, the linebacker, ends up being something or nothing and we move on and we can bring one of them back but I, I don't I what what was the point of that why would you do that I have no idea why you would stash two guys on your initial 53 that you have no intention of even putting on your practice squad that is that is just incredible to me um even I mean for crying out loud I would have much rather seen the bows kept and Carpenter cut. Um, well, you're about to get your early to say whether Bose has been picked up by somebody else. And you know, my call earlier about wanting to keep seven on the roster. Um, I think part of it, my reason I wanted to keep seven wide receivers was the advantage of maybe these guys playing on special teams a little bit and getting them some exposure, uh, getting them in with real game reps. Uh, in case they need them down the road and keeping these other guys fresh. I, of course, I want Watson and Dobbs and Jaden Reed on the field as much as possible, but they can't be on the field every play. And Wicks and Keith and DuBose, I want to see these guys get some real reps um, in real-time games so that they are at least growing and continuing to grow instead of being stunted by playing on the practice squad. So that was my reason why I wanted to keep seven. So that should do it. I'll uh, sign off. I'm out. Yeah, I mean, Wicks, Ture, and Heath are going to get exposure. Um, DeBose, eh, look, I mean, the, the odds that this dude, same with Ture, he's a seventh-round pick. We're talking about, like, 2% chance that he ends up being anything. So, you know, he'll get his opportunities in, in the uh, the practice squad next year he'll get another offseason and if he gets hurt again he's probably going right back to the practice squad he needs to be able to stay healthy um maybe he can get on the 53 but unfortunately for samori ture and for um grant debose in my opinion the packers are going to keep stashing wide receivers they're going to every year we're bringing in a pile of wide receivers whether it's early round mid round late round undrafted free agent we're bringing in more and so they're they're just going to continue to get buried. So I understand not wanting to stunt development, but that's for guys like Jaden Reed. 
That's for guys like Lucas Van Ness. I don't really care as much about Samore Ture or Grant DeBose or anything like that. It's for guys that we want to be able to depend on in the future. And maybe I'm wrong. But, I mean, the, the bottom line is we only have 53 spots. So, whoever you can... You, you put Grant DeBose on, you got to pull somebody else off. And you can make the same argument for that person that goes bye-bye. You know, we can put in Grant DeBose and pull off Anthony Johnson. But what about Johnson's development? You know what I mean? So, the, the, the guys that need to be out there, they need the development, they are the guys that we are depending on to be studs for the future. They're all there. Everybody's there. We're all good. No concerns aside from Romeo Dobbs got a hamstring injury. I'm ready to uh, move on to the real deal. Hey, this is caller number five again. What's going on? Just um, wanted to call in about the Jonathan Taylor thing. Not actually the news about that, but mm-hmm. the press conference that Goot just had not too long ago. Uh, of course, Jason Wildey was the one who asked this ridiculous question about um, how do you deal with a guy like A.J. Dillon who oh, yeah, who yeah. now may think that you don't want him on the team? What, what do you have to do to sort of make him feel welcome or whatever the stupid question was? But it's like uh, that was complete and utter speculation. We don't even know if Goot was the one who was talking to the team because a report came out that it didn't ever got above a scout level. Um, so I don't understand why he's, well, I do understand, but I hate that he's making up this nonsense scenario just to garner drama or, or I don't know what it is. It's really, really pathetic, to be honest, uh, and kind of annoying. Yeah. <laughs> like you're just bringing up nonsense. Well, well, and, and besides, like, he's not going to answer your question. I just, I don't get it, man. Right. Just, these, these media people are so annoying. Like when the when the trade happened, you might have speculated that it was going to be AJ Dillon, but you have a responsibility as a, an actual reporter not to bring that up without having actual sourced knowledge on the thing. As fans, we can do it. We can talk about it with our with everyone and be like, hey, yeah, we, we'd send AJ Dillon a third or something. But as a reporter whose job it is to be accurate, why are you speaking on this when you have no actual insight? Really annoying. Anyway. That's all. Yeah, and those are all good points. I mean, again, not going to answer the question. Even if all your presuppositions are true, that that Dylan was going to be traded and now there's going to be tension, even if every single one of those things was true, which, which also we have to go all the way back to this Jonathan Taylor thing was very real, and they were trying to trade A.J. Dylan. Let's say we know that 100,000%. I understand maybe wanting to bring up the question, you know, I mean, generally, you don't want to just bring up negativity for the sake of negativity, but I could understand the question if you feel that they're going to answer the question. He's not going to answer that question. But again, beyond that, you don't have any of that information. You don't know the seriousness of this these trade talks. You don't know A.J. Dillon was involved in it, so why you even brought up his name, I have no idea. But I mean, even, even beyond that, I mean, it's, it's a silly thing because that's true every single time, right? Gutekunst and, or his staff are making constant calls. And if they come up with some kind of a trade or something, somebody's off the team. I mean, on tomorrow's podcast, I talk about some of the the big names that are out there and and just kind of swinging for the fences a little bit. And, you know, you start to wonder about guys like Chris Jones, who's out in uh, Kansas City. Maybe the best defensive tackle in football, including Aaron Donald at this point. Almost certainly they're going to get a deal done in Kansas City. However. Do you think for one second the Packers are not making phone calls just to check in? 
And do you think that that not would would not um, assume that there's going to need to be some changes here? For example, of course somebody's got to go. It may might not have to be Kenny Clark, but you could speculate it just like you spec speculate with AJ Dillon. You didn't know it was AJ Dillon either. Is this what we do every single time? There's there's a conversation. What if there was a wide receiver? You know, if they were talking to a a wide receiver, and let's just say I don't know who, but. He's more of like your ex-wide receiver, your your route runner type. He's not challenging Christian Watson, but he's probably challenging Romeo Dobbs. Or let's say it's a slot guy. Do, do we now need to ask the question, What you know? how do you face Jaden Reed? How do you navigate that awkwardness with, with Jaden Reed? Bro, what are you talking about? This is this is the business. This is, this is what always annoyed me about the whole thing with uh, Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. Like, drafting Jordan Love was some slight. No, that's his effing job, you moron. His job is to draft people. And every single time you draft somebody, you're challenging somebody else's job. Lucas Van Ness is Preston Smith's replacement. Did you know that? Because he is. He's going to take his job. I don't see too many people piping up about poor Preston Smith and how he's been slighted. Well, it's not going to happen today, but it's going to happen eventually. Eventually, they're going to see Lucas Van Ness, and they're going to look at how much they're paying Preston Smith, and they're going to say, eh, I don't know about all this. Eventually, he's going to take over. Same thing. Jaden Reed stole Samore Ture's job. That's not very nice, but it's true. Luke Musgrave and Tucker Kraft pretty much made sure, closed the door on uh, a couple of tight ends that we had here. That's why they're not coming back. Should we ask, like, Gutekunst, how do you, how, what, what would happen if you and Mercedes Lewis walked into a room together? Would you be scared he'd punch you? Like, would it be awkward? Would it be weird? Because you let him go and then drafted his replacement? Like, what, what is this stupidity? I mean, and, and, and again, he's not necessarily wrong because these are human beings and these, these emotions exist. But there's an underlying assumption that you're an adult and I'm an adult. And we both understand that this is the nature of the business. We both understand this is my job. My job from the second I draft you is to replace you. You're on the clock, bud. Your job every day is to prove that I shouldn't replace you. That's it. And I'm going to work to replace you. I mean, that's what happened with Aaron Rodgers, right? We're going to try to replace you. And then he wins MVP twice. And they're like, no, we can't replace him. That's everybody on the team. You think they wouldn't have replaced Aaron Jones if he hadn't stayed at, at such a high level that he's at? Of course they would have. Just like they would have gotten rid of him if he hadn't taken a pay cut. Christian Watson's on the clock. He's got a period of time to prove he can do something. If he can't, he's gone. He's replaced. And we're going to keep drafting people over and over and over and over and over. And the person that I draft, your job is to beat out that guy so I don't have to pay him. That's how this whole business works. So yes, if we get Jonathan Taylor, it's to replace somebody else. And if we had drafted Bijan Robinson, it would have been to replace somebody. Same situation. I don't know why we like pick and choose these situations where it's like, oh, we got we got to get into this soap opera drama nonsense. I can't believe you would do that. Is it going to be weird now? What? I don't know. Ask Dylan. That's not my problem. But I'll tell you this. If I see the guy that's 250 pounds whose job it is to lower his shoulder and drive through seven grown men like a bulldozer, if I see him crying in the corner of the locker room, I'm not going to be too thrilled about that. He understands fully the nature of the business like everybody else does. Prove your worth and you'll get paid what you're worth. That's it. You want to be here? Prove you belong here. And by the way, that applies to Brian Gutekunst too. I know all the Brian Gutekunst haters will say, no, it doesn't, but it does. He's drafted unbelievably well. 
His track record in free agency, he's done an unbelievable job to take a losing record in 2018 to a 13-win season in 2019 to carry that out for three years. And then in 2022, it all falls apart. He somehow is able to offload a guy that is unoffloadable, gets a haul in return for this unoffloadable quarterback that doesn't want to be here, and has seemingly, for the second time in his short time in Green Bay, rebuilt the Green Bay Packers. Just overnight. It's not, it's not a rebuild. We're not going through a rebuild process. It's just 2018 was here. 2019, you're a brand new team. Go in with this 2019 team. Same thing now. 2022 was this thing. 2023 is a brand new team with brand new players. Go in with these guys. It's freaking incredibly impressive stuff. But the day it becomes not impressive is the day he can go bye-bye. Same applies for Matt LaFleur and anybody else. That's the way it goes. That's the way it goes for me. If you all stop listening, I don't do this anymore. I'm not doing this for my health. I mean, I might once in a while if I got a bunch to get off my chest. Nobody's listening, but I gotta gotta say it somewhere. I'm not doing a twice-daily podcast just for the heck of it. I'm doing it because there's a lot of people that want to listen to it. All right, well, let's do it. And the day nobody wants to listen is the day I'm not doing it anymore. So away she goes. Anyways, why don't we take a break right here? Um, Just dawned on me, I completely forgot to mention it on tomorrow's podcast. So I'm going to mention it a day early here. We have a new sponsor I'm very, very excited about, and that is Old Southern Smokehouse. So I'll give you the background on on the first thing here. Jacob, who runs the Packernet Fantasy Podcast, he works at Old Southern Smokehouse. He's very passionate about the podcast to them. He's very passionate about Old Southern Smokehouse to us. Well, several months ago, uh, they had sent me a package of their barbecue sauces and their rubs in anticipation of maybe doing something together. I was so unbelievably excited to work with them because, as you know, barbecue is a big passion of mine, and I'd love to be able to partner with somebody like that. But also, I really want to work with somebody who has products that I freaking love. And the best line ever that I was so excited to use that I thought I wasn't going to get a chance to, my wife is a vegetarian. I made, I think it was a beef tenderloin, I'm not positive, but I used their Old Southern Barbecue Steak and Butter. It's a rub. I put that on there. I made it. My wife is cool. She she'll she'll like try a bite of it. She's always a good sport about it. Like, yeah, let me let me have a bite. And she always says it's good, but she doesn't really like it and she moves on. She had a piece of this. She asked for seconds. Never ever in our 10 years of being together has she ever asked for seconds of meat. And never since that day has she done it since. And so I was super pumped to say Old Southern Barbecue's rubs converts vegetarians. It's a vegetarian antidote. But I'm, I'm serious, man. This is, this is legit stuff. So if you head over to OldSouthernBarbecue.com, if, you, if you're into barbecue and all that stuff, just like we are, I know a lot of you are because we talk about it, you call in about it. You really should. I mean, it's really cheap, by the way. They've got for $4.99, you can order their rubs. They've got their barbecue rub, which is an all-purpose, fantastic. The steak and butter, I love it. I, I'll honestly just take a little pinch and just eat it because it's, it's butter. I'm from Wisconsin, whatever, leave me alone. They've got a brisket rub. And then one called uh, Grillin' Chicken season Seasoning, which you can kind of figure out what that is. And then on top of that, they've got their barbecue sauces. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not kidding you. I know it's like, oh, it's an ad read. You're just saying it. It's, I'm not just saying it. There are a handful of barbecue sauces. I'm not going to list them because they don't sponsor the show. You may have heard me say it in the past. There are a handful of barbecue sauces that you always feel like barbecue sauce is barbecue sauce. But you try it and it's like, dude, that, that is good. They have got four barbecue sauces. And I'm telling you. There are two of them that are up there on my list of like, these are my all-time favorite barbecue sauces. 
All four of them are unfreaking believable, though. I'll leave it up to you to try them and see um, what you think. But they've got Chicago Blue. I need a better picture. I can't really read them from here. Oh, it zooms in. Uh, yeah, so Chicago Blue. I got to get more, too. I don't know. I don't know if I ran out. I couldn't have run out. I could have because I used it a ton. But it's I, I think it got thrown out. Um, they've got uh, Southern Gal Sweet Brown Sugar. So the uh, Chicago Blue is mild and tangy. Then they've got the, uh, where is it? Chicago Fire looks like uh, bold and hot. And then the Dixie Red Rich and Smoky. So actually, you can get all of their stuff. I'm, I'm not even kidding. I'm probably just going to do this. All of their stuff for 55 bucks. Otherwise, the rubs, as I said, incredibly uh, affordable. If you've bought a bottle of rub, you know that rubs are not affordable. But you can get the rubs for uh, $4.99. The barbecue sauce is just $5.99. This is very good pricing. <laughs> but anyways, please head over to OldSouthernBarbecue.com. And if you're up in that area, in northern Wisconsin-ish area, you can step into their brick-and-mortar restaurants. They also offer catering. We'll talk more about it in the future. This has been rambling long enough. But please go try it. I promise you, it's delicious. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, call in number five again. What up? Um, I just uh, wanted to call back and say that I am so ready for week one, man. I, yes. And, and, and I want to know what you think the Bears' excuses will be. They probably already <laughs> have one lined up because Tevin Jenkins didn't Tevin, play. yep, I was going to um, say that. But we should absolutely, I'm, I'm going to be honest, we should absolutely dominate this game. Like, I don't see any world in which we lose because we're just simply and plainly better than they are. And if uh, if we do somehow lose, it's going to ruin it's going to ruin everything because yes. I'm so <laughs> sick of them talking. <laughs> you couldn't have said it better. It's going to ruin f- everything, literally everything. 
That's that is the answer about Justin Fields and how bad Jordan Love uh-huh. is. I want him to go out there and throw 350 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Not very likely, but it would be it would be fantastic if that's what they had to deal with for a week one home opener. Um, but yeah, what, what excuse do you think they're going to use? Uh, I uh, I can already see the offensive line excuse. Yeah, uh, I don't think it's really going to matter if he was playing or not because his defensive line we have is pretty disgusting. Um, but I'm still ready. I just heard the NFL on Fox theme, and I uh, can run through a wall at this point. All right, thanks. I will say I am stunned at how quickly the Bears fans are caving already. I mean, they're not even putting up a fight. It's actually really disappointing to see. They talk so much trash, and I'm already seeing people kind of turn and heel and, and start to talk down a little bit in terms of, you know, well, here's what I think it's going to be. They're, they're going to start saying, you know how with the Packers, everybody's changing their tune, and, and we're all sitting here saying, dude, I freaking said this the whole time. They're going to do that in Chicago, except they're going to continue to defend Justin Fields. What are they going to say? Nothing really changed on the offensive line. So they're going to blame the offensive line. They're going to be like, Braxton Jones really isn't that good. Tevin Jenkins was hurt. Cody Whitehair is trash, which they have been saying the whole time. Lucas Patrick, they freaking hate. So they're going to blame him. Darnell Wright's a rookie, right? Uh, that That's going to be the thing. And then on top of it, what about the wide receivers? Well, they got DJ Moore. Yeah, but that's it. That's it. Like, what did you... This will be... Presumably, this is my guess. This will be the thing on top of our defense sucks, it's going to be they they really didn't do enough to protect Justin Fields, and they didn't do enough to go get him help. Like, you got him DJ Moore, and that's it. You did nothing else. This is this is, this is is um, negligence by the Chicago Bears front, front office. It's Justin Fields is the Alamo. They're going to retreat to the Alamo just like they did last year. Everything else is broken. The play calling sucks. The offensive line sucks. DJ Moore is the only good wide receiver or, or anything that we have, including tight ends and everything else. Can't believe you let Montgomery walk out the door. That probably won't be a thing. I'm sure they'll run the ball just fine. But if they don't, that, that might be a thing. So I'm, I'm ready. And in fact, I'm glad you brought that up because what I should do is go back and try to find the times I said exactly these things and had Bears fans arguing with me about it. Like, oh, that's funny, because I said that 700 times, and every time I did, I got thrown through the frickin' Chicago Bears Twitter washing machine, just getting tumble-dried. I know you don't dry in a washing machine, but I figured that would be a better thing than washing machine. So, yeah, I think they're going to start saying what we've been saying all along. Your offensive coordinator's a joke. Your offensive line is a joke. DJ Moore's good, but he's not a top-ten wide receiver, and he's the only addition you made. That's it. And by the way, you brought in a ton of people on defense. Congratulations. But bringing in people doesn't mean you brought in good people. Those are two different sentences. Just just going to throw that out there. Hey, Ryan. It's hey. Aaron from Eau on, I just player? wanted to um, Keep it real. put in a little thought about week one against the Bears. Right. That um, We've been up. talking a lot about the receiving core being super young. Yeah. Very talented and promising, but... Uh, green and and not uh, super consistent yet. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think that's that's uh, totally fair. However, um, one thing that gives me a lot of hope is the uh, presence of Aaron Jones. Yes. Uh, because he is 
in, in in the midst of us getting caught up in the 53 and not talking about a lot of people, Aaron Jones is the person that if, if there was a ratio of a player's importance compared to how much we talk about them, the biggest disparity would be with Aaron Jones, without a doubt. Him and A.J. Dillon are the two veteran uh, playmakers on the offense. And um, if, you know, if Aaron Jones can carry the uh, the load a little bit like he has in the past, um, like when uh, Devontae Adams was out with an injury a few years back and uh, Packers won, I think, all of the games during a certain stretch where Devontae Adams was out um, because Aaron Jones played so well, I think that could be a really uh, nice way for Jordan Love to get comfortable uh, in his first game or two because, um, yeah, it seems like he's not quite in sync with all of his receivers all the time yet. And um, it's it's hard to tell how much of that is him and how much of that is the receivers, especially because they're all so young. If there was like a Devontae Adams, we could be like, yeah, that's definitely Jordan Love because Devontae Adams isn't the one making, you know, the majority of the uh, mistakes. But um, anyways, just the, the fact that Aaron Jones is such a solid just he can, you know, catch those little short passes and uh, get up the field for a first down or for chunk play of five to seven yards or whatever. Um, I think that's a really nice asset for Jordan Love to have in his first couple games just so that uh, he can get comfortable with a reliable weapon and then uh, obviously – you know, then there's a little bit more room for error with some of the other players. Um, so, yeah, I'm just excited to see how that all goes. Um, I'm hoping that they can really... Okay. He got cut off. He's got two more times he's going to call in here. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. But th- So, you're right about the they're not exactly on the same page and that that honestly as you said that kind of got me a little bit excited just because look if if Romeo Dobbs doesn't play I'm going to be a little bit nervous just being completely honest about it I, I feel like there is such a connection there between he and Romeo Dobbs that he doesn't have with anybody else right like he targets Musgrave a decent amount and they use Musgrave a bunch but it, it doesn't feel right like there's been a lot of off target stuff with Musgrave same with Christian Watson. Like he's used, but it just it doesn't something doesn't seem right. And Jaden Reed, you know, it's solid, but whatever. Dobbs is the guy. And I feel like if Dobbs is there, we're in really good hands. However, the level of freaking unbelievably unleashed that this team is going to experience when I'll say when, because I, I think it's a thing that's very real and will happen, when Jordan Love and Christian Watson get more on the same page. Because I I 100,000% stand by what I said about Christian Watson being the best wide receiver on this team by a mile with having just unbelievable talent and potential. But I just don't... First of all, one of the things that annoys me 
is that I think Christian Watson is a better route runner than people give him credit for. And I don't remember, at least in the preseason, Christian Watson being used for pretty much anything but go routes. And maybe that's just because it's preseason. They don't want to tip their hand too much, but that's freaking annoying. I want to see Christian Watson coming across the middle. That's where Jordan Love likes to throw the ball. Those those passes, I mean, the pass that he housed against the Eagles, I want to see that happen more often, right? I want to see the back shoulder throws like we saw for the touchdown. I want to see screen passes and curl routes and, and out routes and everything else. When, when that gets more in sync, especially the deep ball, but just all of it in general, and you've got Dobbs and Watson just as, as really, I mean, you get Watson as in sync as he is with Romeo Dobbs, but you take that talent level of Christian Watson on top of already having Dobbs, so now it's like double and better. Forget the part where Jaden Reed could also be quite good. We'll just leave that alone for now. Oh, and, and Musgrave is a potentially massive part of this whole equation. The jump that this offense is going to experience when, when, if and when he gets on the same page with Watson, and then the exponential jump if and when Luke Musgrave and he get on the same page. Like, I'm not even worried about Jaden Reed at this point. We don't even put, put Ture in there. I don't give a crap. I mean, I do. I'm, this is, this is, you know, somewhat being silly. But seriously, if, if, if he gets on the page with Watson the same way he does with Dobbs, and then he gets on that same page with Musgrave, I just, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. It's just uh, the freaking world better watch out. That's all I can say. Is it going to happen week one? Probably not. And that's what makes me nervous about Dobbs being out because Reed is, you know, they're eh. Musgrave is probably going to be that that top guy aside from maybe uh, Aaron Jones. We'll see. But, you know, how's that going to work out? And then Watson, I'm sure they're going to try to hit him on a deep ball. But is that, you know, eh, there's a whole lot of like, I'm not so sure. But toward the end of the season, if they start clicking... Clicking chicken? Dang. Hey, Ryan. It's A.A. Ron again. Um, I wanted to just talk about something that sometimes um, occurs to me as people are, you know, breaking down the play of different quarterbacks uh, as we look at Jordan Love and as we kind of anticipate and project his future. Um one thing that we're all kind of nervous about is anytime there's a missed throw and an inaccurate throw, um, timing issue, anything like that, you know, it's just we we hang on to those uh, moments and we kind of worry about them and hope that they can get fixed because we've all seen quarterbacks in the NFL with seemingly a lot of promise just fall apart yes. and kind of <clears throat> miss the boat. And some of them even played well at times, like Carson Wentz. Uh, he's had some good games. Um, and yet, you know, look where he is now. Um, Sam Darnold, he's had some good games. But look where he is now. Uh, you know, Nick Foles, I mean, he's had stretches yeah. where he was great and even won the Super Bowl for the Eagles for the first time in history, you know. so. It's it's pretty interesting how um, up and down people can be as as a quarterback. But um, one thing that well up and down, and I think rightly so, and for that reason, and I've kind of talked about that before too. Rodgers has a bad stretch. It's annoying as all get out. Like he has a bad game or something, or, or a bad couple. You know, two out of three weeks were just not on. But you don't really worry about it. Because you know it's still Aaron Rodgers. There might be a thought in the back of your head, like, dude, is he cooked? Is it over? Or what? Like, what? But you know who Aaron Rodgers is. Jordan Love, you don't know. If he comes out and doesn't look good or, or even has a couple of bad tendencies, you have no reason to believe that it's not going to be that, you know? 
So yeah, there, there are much more highs and lows because you see something and it's like, maybe that's what he is and we're doomed. And then you see something else where he looks incredible and it's like, maybe that's what he is and we're going to be a freaking dynasty, you know? So it's understandable the much higher highs and lower lows than what you have with a more established quarterback. Sometimes we forget when we're kind of uh, maybe reacting to uh, poorly executed plays by Jordan Love is um, that all quarterbacks go through some pretty low valleys um, you know, Tom Brady's had some games where he was absolutely shut down. Aaron Rodgers, we've all seen it, has had um, yeah. several games where he's just kind of been harassed to the point of of uh, not being very effective at all. And um, and uh, we we even sometimes forget, like when Jordan Love made his first appearance against the Chiefs that Patrick Mahomes was in a big slump at that time. Right. It wasn't just that game where he wasn't performing all that well. It was like a whole half of a season. So um, that's just something that we all need to remember, I think, is that uh, some, you know, errant throws or some, some misplays or some timing issues or whatever the case may be, um, aren't necessarily a projection of future failure. Um, and I guess, you know, that doesn't mean it's also a projection for success, but um, but play to play, you know. Uh, in- Got cut off again, but uh, how much time is there? I'll, I'll uh, interject here before we play his last call. I... I- I do agree, and I, 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 there's kind of two sides to it. One side, I agree in terms of we can't make definitive statements about how good or bad somebody is on too small a sample size. However, it's sort of like, it's similar to how if you lose week one and people overreact and you start to look at, well, you know, you know a lot of teams lose week one and then they go on to win the playoffs. Look at how... You know, you lost it, da, 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 da. and technically that's true. However, somebody, I think it was Colin Coward or somebody, I don't know, just put out a thing or was talking about some of the stats, and it's like 50% of the teams that lose week one do not get into the playoffs. So you're kind of, you're right that it doesn't have to mean anything, but it pushes you in that direction of making it more likely to be that thing than not that thing. And as you continue to build negative, 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 it's it's more excuse-making than anything else to say, well, that doesn't mean anything definitively. I understand that, but we're sort of building something here. Another terrible example, it's kind of like in uh, Madden. Again, I haven't played in a long time, but I know there was, uh, back when you do like career mode or something, there would be a list of things that you would do. You'd go through like a combine. It wasn't really a combine, but you go through these drills. And depending how you perform on those drills, Right, you you can kind of not do great and then excel in other areas, but you're building your player. And then you would do like an IQ test or whatever to, to gauge intelligence. And at the end is a finished product. Now you can make a mistake here and still have a good finished product, but we're building things as we go. And in this case, we're building data on Jordan Love. And as the data skews one direction, it just becomes less and less likely that it's going to be a positive result 
than it is a negative result, especially considering you start with negative. Now, fans never start with negative, and I know everybody would, no, you don't start with negative, you start with positive. I'm not talking about perspective on life, glass, glass half full. I'm talking statistically speaking, the odds are he's not going to be good. Even looking at first-round picks, there's not a 50% success rate, depending on your gauge of success, I suppose. So, again, there's, there's kind of two sides of it. On one hand, you're right, we shouldn't pretend that this this database we're building is complete, right? Think about it as like we're... we're, we're um, I, I, I don't... I don't I can picture it in my head better than I can articulate it. But there's a point at which we're, we're loading data, 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 and you get up to 100%. And 100% is that point where you feel comfortable that, you know what, I can make a definitive statement. And every bit of data that goes in contributes to that 100% and contributes to that final product. And every negative throw, every interception, every bad read, every pass that sails over somebody's head, it all gets computed into this thing. So yes, you shouldn't overreact and make sweeping statements that it definitively means that he's bad. But we also shouldn't pretend that just because some people have bad stretches that that means that, that, that we can completely dismiss it, because we can't. Bad data is bad data, and that's a bad thing, right? If you, if you lose week one, it's, it's not necessarily that hard to overcome it and get into the playoff. If you lose weeks one and two, now you're really up against it. If you lose week three, you see what I'm saying? As you continue on until eventually you're eliminated. And that's how it's going to go, essentially, with Jordan Love. He's either going to be good or he's not. And then we look at it and say, well, maybe it'll be better. And then it's just a continual cycle of, well, maybe it'll be better, maybe it'll be better until eventually we're, we're at 100% and it's over. Hey, just going to share my thought. Um, yeah, an errant play here and there is not um, necessarily what we want to live or die by. Um, because every quarterback makes those kinds of, uh, throws. It's kind of the, the whole package, you know. Uh, now, Jordan Love has maybe been less consistent than some of those other quarterbacks in terms of the fundamental, uh, accuracy things or whatever, but he's also had some really nice plays and, um, you know, also, like, he's got to think about a lot, you know. Uh, sometimes as fans, we just look at it as a two-dimensional thing where it's like, you know, just throw it accurately. Well, he's also, he's got to manage the entirety of the other team's defense, which coverage is there in, who's rushing, who's dropping back, which passing lanes does he have, where's the safety, um, how tight is the window, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, we forget sometimes that it's not just as simple as just be accurate, but there's all these other things that I'm sure they talk about, like, uh, where do you throw it? Do you throw it, you know, past the receiver? Do you throw it on the inside of the field versus the outside? Um, so there's, there's a lot of complexity that, I mean, speaking personally, I, I don't know, uh, all the ins and outs of any of that stuff, so just, I think it'll take a little time to kind of get to that level where he's confident with or confident with all of those different things where it starts to just become second nature. So anyways, um, that's it. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. And I, and I think we need to fairly ju- I mean, granted, it's hard to find comps for Jordan Love because you can't really treat him as a rookie, but you can't really treat him as a fourth year starter either. But, you know, you, 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 
come into these things with those exact understandings. But again, at the end of the day, anything negative is negative. That's it. If by the end of this game, we'll have all the data in the world, every single angle you could possibly break down everything from the film to advanced metrics, EPA per dropback squared to the 14th power divided by throwaways. Everything. It'll be under a microscope. And we'll be able to see, right? I mean, just like you can put these things on a trend line, we'll be able to see where he stacks up to everybody else. If he's worse than, as good as, better than, and you can compare it to to rookie quarterbacks in general or second-year quarterbacks or however you want to do it. But the bottom line is there's an expectation, and then there's where Jordan Love is. And it's just one game. It's just one little plot on the chart. But it is what it is. And, um, you know, I, I, again, there's, there's kind of two sides of it, sort of, in terms of you're right in what you're saying, that we can't lock him into a thing or say because he made a bad pass, that means he's definitely going to be that way forever. But I also don't want to just dismiss everything because sometimes some good quarterbacks start not good and then become good. You know, Aaron Rodgers was on a similar track. His first year wasn't that great, but then he became super good. And, and you know, Brett Favre didn't start off very good, but then he became pretty good. And, you know, like sometimes it takes some time. I, I, I get that. But with every single bad game, it becomes less likely that he takes that jump. That's how Justin Fields ends up where Justin Fields is, right? His first bad game didn't mean that he was going to be bad. His second bad game didn't mean he was going to be bad, but it made it less likely that he was going to be good. And then after a full season of him being bad, clearly there have been rookies that have started off with one bad season. But we have we have cut the odds significantly. Like his odds of being good were massively reduced. Because there's a significantly higher chance of being bad when your first year was bad compared to being good, you know, before you ever even took a snap, if that makes sense. Your odds plummeted. And now we've got two years. And now we're to the point where it's like, literally, you you absolutely can take a leap. But you'd be the only one ever. You would be a trailblazer. To be as bad as you were as a passer, to take a jump. We, we went over that before. I think it was DVOA we looked at. Never in history has a quarterback done it. Doesn't mean it can't happen. But the odds are so small right now, it's, it's getting a little silly. And if he goes another year... You know, again, the the odds are never, I shouldn't say never zero, but it's not going to be zero. But it's just, it's just such a stupidly low number. And I'm not going to pretend that it isn't just because technically it's possible, because th- there's a difference between technically something is possible and there being a 50% chance or better. So whatever happens, Jordan Love has a, let's just say his odds are 50-50 right now. Let's just say that. If he has a bad game, it's less than 50%. It might not be much. It's not going to move the needle a ton. But it will be less than 50%, and that does mean something. So try not to overreact if you can, but also we cannot completely dismiss everything just because maybe it doesn't mean anything, even though maybe it does. Both of those things are true. Anyways, we're going to get out of here. You guys have a good rest of your night. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.